Well, hello, kids, and welcome to season two and episode number 19 of the Eager Beaver podcast, a podcast providing incisive commentary on Canadian politics and general culture. Today, recording day is February 10th, 2022, and it's a Thursday. And well, we have a very special episode for you because, uh, well, we have a returning guest, our first returning guest, uh, Bert Chen, who uh, is, uh, well, well, at the time we interviewed him, was the uh, member of the National Council of the Progressive, uh, not the Progressive, but the Conservative Party of Canada. And given the fact that uh, Mr. O'Toole is no longer the leader, we thought we would have him in and talk politics and uh, talk leadership race and talk what's happened to him in the meantime. So uh, this episode is specifically about uh, the Conservative Party of Canada and the departure of O'Toole. So we hope you enjoy. Hello, kids, and uh, we are very, very, very excited to have our first ever return guest uh, <laughs> on our <laughs> True North Eager Beaver podcasts, uh, and a very uh, timely. Uh, <laughs> applause, applause. Uh, uh, we, 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 we very much uh, enjoy this gentleman. Uh, we enjoyed our first chat and uh, we're sure we're going to have a wonderful chat again. Uh, but there's been a lot of happenings. So without any further ado, uh, former or still National Council member Bert Chen. Uh, it is former at this point. Oh, bummer, dude. Oh. Well, well it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a little disappointing that obviously uh, at first I was suspended, but also just uh, as as things have progressed in this pandemic, um, I did uh, step away from council because I actually moved away from the Ottawa area oh. and began, oh. began a new career in the beginning of uh, this year. And uh, which required me to just uh, spend uh, all my time out in Western Canada now. Oh, well, then you're new you. Good for you. Uh, well, thanks. What you doing? But, if you don't mind asking. Oh, no, of course. So uh, unlike, uh, unlike uh, most conservatives, I do believe in uh, climate change. And uh, I actually work in a renewable energy industry. And I started uh, a role as a uh, consultant. See, see, we're, tell we're, us more, tell us more, tell us more. We're getting closer together well, all the time, man. <laughs> tell us more. Well, no, it, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, I've always uh, worked in the technical field uh, on the financial side. But uh, this was an opportunity that uh, stayed uh, to my original, um, uh, to my original career. Uh, but it's just a new role for a new company and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of boring stuff, but, uh, definitely at the forefront of renewable energy and climate change. And what does the company do? Oh, uh, we're a consulting company in the end and, uh, we offer kind of a full suite of technical and, uh, also uh, due diligence services. I'm happy for you. That's a good way to I'm land. very happy for you too, man. Well, like seriously. Well, thanks. I, I'll, uh, I'll admit I do miss Ottawa, but uh, I think it's a little timely that I'm not there right now. <laughs> Dude, you picked the perfect time to leave. 
A good buddy of mine the other day. Let's just say if the door closed, the window opened at just the right time. Seriously. A buddy of mine the other day sends me a message, text message. He goes, hey, how's it going? And I go, what, are you getting any sleep? He goes, dude, I'm on vacation. I'm in Paris. I'm like, oh, you son of a. And he lives even closer to it than I do. I'm, I'm 450 meters away from the crap. I can still hear it. Well, I can't hear it now because, you know, Zexy Lee shut that down. But um, he, he would have been about 50 meters from it. In, mm-hmm. in other words, he, he would have not have slept. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm in Paris. Sends me a photo. He's on a cafe having a pint somewhere. I'm like, oh, you son of a... Good, good, mm-hmm. good. Like, talk about a serendipitous choice to take a vacation at this time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. wow, okay. So... um to say that a lot has happened would be a bit of an understatement. Uh, but before we go into like the downfall, uh, there was something about what was going on before that kind of stuck in our craw. And we could not help but notice uh, that Mr. O'Toole seemed to have it in for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Seemed to have it in for Marilyn Gladue. Seemed to have it in for Shannon Stubbs, I believe. Seemed to have it in. Oh, there was one other person I can't remember. Denise Batters. Denise Batters, yes, but did not have it in for Senator McDonald. And there was another person, like a second senator, I believe. Uh, and the two people for whom he didn't have it in shared certain characteristics, and the people for whom we mm. seem to have it in shared other characteristics. We just, the left people and left side of us couldn't help but notice. And I'm just wondering if you maybe noticed that too. You know, you bring it up now, and uh, I'll admit I didn't notice it. Uh, I, I will say there was still a, a line between. Uh, what myself, Senator Batters, and uh, what uh, Shannon Stumps had done in particular mm-hmm. is that we were more vocal and uh, seemingly encouraging others uh, to to voice their opinions about why Mr. O'Toole's leadership was just so untenable. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and you know, in regards to Senator McDonald, I think he he was also an earlier one, and uh, for for the most part. Uh, from what I understand, his email was sent to caucus internally. Okay. And, uh, and those details were leaked, but he didn't speak out in front of media. Uh, I think what, uh, what what Mr. O'Toole did in our, in our, uh, in our, I think arguments that his leadership was poor was he tried to demonstrate leadership by mm-hmm. going after those that would publicly uh, challenge him, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, rather than rather than those who may who may have done it behind closed doors, and that that also happened with the formation of the inner circle and the distribution of the critics' roles as well. Mm. Uh, I think so, uh, but clearly, uh, you know, towards the end, as, you, as it was obvious, um, you know, Garner Genuous was uh, one of yeah. the MPs that was most vocal, and uh, you know, he 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 did get his uh, he did get his uh, critic role, mm-hmm. but uh, obviously, it proved that um, it obviously it proved that uh, you know that's were- a, that's not enough to buy the silence and loyalty uh, well- forever. Yeah, but the thing is that they removed the human rights critic from his role 
this time around. So I'm sure he wasn't happy about that either. Yeah. <laughs> uh- I noticed I, that when I compared the title from last time to the title this time, that one thing was missing. <laughs> uh, I actually, I actually didn't notice. Um, I know obviously a lot of people moved around, um, and there did seem, seem to be a strategy, from what I heard, of trying to placate those that um, may not have voiced their public opposition to O'Toole's leadership, mm-hmm. um, and in an effort to try to uh, uh, buy a little bit, buy a little bit of loyalty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we also noticed, because, of course, it was in the press, that uh, they were particularly vicious with you, mm-hmm. uh, sending, for those of us who are particular political junkies, the name Arthur Hamilton does ring a bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they sent lawyer Arthur Hamilton after you and were asking for your personal communications? Yes. I think that was the first misstep by O'Toole's team. And uh, some of his loyalists on national council, his his first uh, very obvious misstep. Um, and, and I'll be honest, uh, Arthur, uh, I I don't think Arthur Hamilton wrote that letter. Okay, mm. I uh, the letter was poorly written, and uh, mm. it, it uh, reeked of someone else's hand uh, that was seemingly trying to do a favor for for uh, the leader, but uh, overstepped. And, uh, you know, once, once it was leaked to others uh, and, you know, for no, for no actions of my own, uh, it really felt that, uh, you know, the public sentiment had turned against him and in, uh, in the way that he was handling this. Now, it was the letter and the blowback enough to make it stop or did they actually pursue trying to get, Oh, so so when um, I think it was uh, Alex Boutillier from from uh, uh, Global that uh, broke the news, um, and again I have no idea how he got a copy of the letter asking uh, to to uh, to the depths of the privacy breaches that they were looking for. Uh, when that broke, uh, several others who were uh, supportive of of O'Toole uh, reached out to me. And said, uh, "Yeah, no, they. Uh, this is an overstep, and um, you know, now he has to go." Wow! So nobody actually came and knocking and asking for anything. Well, they tried, um, and you know, and uh, my my own legal counsel, uh, which I've retained at my own expense, uh, replied and said, Shit. "No, this is this is outrageous." And of course, in their investigation, they did go through the emails uh, through my official uh, account with Conservative Party, but uh, we're not able to get any uh, uh, private correspondence. So, like, I, I have to ask, this, and feel free to not answer this if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. How 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 did you deal with this emotionally? Because you were thrust into the spotlight really quickly. Uh, and, 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 and quite literally for doing your job. So all of a sudden they want to comb through your life with a fine tooth comb and try and find some dirt. And you know, how, like, how did that affect you emotionally? Because I know myself, I go one of two ways, right? It's either mm-hmm. I get really defensive or I'm like, uh, just here, here, it's an open book. Read it, read it. I've got nothing to hide. And, and then you just brush it off and move on. Not everybody's capable of that. And, and I like genuinely when I, 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 I felt for you 
when I was reading all of this. I'm like, this is a man I've spoken to, and I've we haven't met face to face, right? But but when you have a chance to talk with someone, mm-hmm. you get a vibe of, on, on on who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. And I know you're a good person, and I know this probably affected you. Uh, on a personal level, because how could it not? So I was like genuinely concerned for your emotional welfare. So answer it, don't answer it. It's entirely up to you, but I just want you to know that I was worried about you. Yep. And I hope you're okay oh, with all of this. Well, you know, I mean, we're humans, right? We're still people at the heart of this. And, and, and I know you're a good person. So I get upset when I see good people uh, uh, being harmed Yep. And, and it, you know, it's not like you, you didn't bring harm upon yourself. You were yeah. doing your job. Yeah. Well, well thanks. Uh, well, that's exactly it. Um, obviously emotionally it was, uh, it, it was tough. Uh, it's not uh, easy being in the spotlight. Uh, you know, I'm not someone who actually seeks it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can relate. And dur- during this time, you know, whether, whether it's for yourselves, uh, people that I spoke to to get my story out there, uh, or just others who came along. Uh, you know, I've, I think uh, I've made some really good friends uh, during this process as well that uh, I didn't know before, mm-hmm. who were very supportive and uh, just uh, giving me encouragement uh, during these times. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of share the genesis of, of why I went public with what I did. Yes, and, uh, you know, it's been a few months since our, since our first chat. But when when you're trying to do your job mm-hmm. in this case as an elected director that's meant to be a uh, arm's length um, um uh, an arm's length supervisory body like if you're on the board of directors and you get elected there because of the shareholders of a company mm-hmm. and the ceo is doing something that is one jeopardizing the company in this case, uh, Aaron O'Toole is, is jeopardizing conservative brand and, and is clearly showing poor leadership. And you speak out and you do so knowing that you're representing a large component of those who elected you mm-hmm. and you're just doing your job. For much of the past year, uh, it was clear, and and for those who follow conservative national council politics closely, it was clear that there were there were emerging factions within national council. Mm-hmm. Those from the large provinces of Ontario um, and British Columbia, which uh, I would say have the bulk of the conservative party's members, and those are the small provinces. Uh, where there were very diverging viewpoints about how to deal with certain things. Mm -hmm. And it was clear that in British Columbia and Ontario, where the Conservative Party suffered the most in the last election, Mm. um, that uh, our views weren't being heard. And I I spoke out because I was no longer being able to, I was no longer able to continue to be effective because my colleagues were not, were preventing me from fulfilling my job. Well, that's, that's, you, do you, would you care to share damn. sort of like ways? Oh, uh, again, we won't have to delve into the uh, super minutia, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, precise. yeah, when you, when you sit on a, when you sit on a board and you bring forward your ideas, you do so with respect and professionalism yeah. and you expect 
you expect some form of just reciprocation in terms of, in terms mm-hmm. of respect as a human being. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are, there are those on national council that uh, do not offer even the modicum of respect and, uh, and absolutely do not, um, do not uh, accept any diverging viewpoints mm-hmm. as even just decent human beings. And uh, I think that's part of the toxic culture of why well, not just on uh, what I've sat, sat through on national council, the conservative party but politics in general, mm-hmm. uh, you genuinely have some people uh, who, who have, uh, you know, toxic behavior and talk and toxic mindsets. So there's a part of me that's going like, I'm not surprised to hear this at all. I do know better, and I, I, I have friends on the Hill and, and friends involved in politics, but it's still, at the same token, when I hear it, it's still, you know, from somebody who's on the inside, it's still a little shocking to hear at the same time. Even though I know it's a real thing, you don't always get uh, the straight goods, right? Like, you're, mm. you were there. You, ex- you went through this. You experienced this. We don't, we don't always get that sort of commentary whether it's on the news or a news magazine or you know a w5 whatever the case we don't always get that sort of insight so for you to come out and, and say that is still you know again i know it i accept it i expect it and yet it still kind of shocks me at the same time right absolutely i think it's it's the nature of politics uh in that uh, the the party's brand whether it's uh, you know f- manifested through policy mm-hmm. or through the actions of just members of its team, the brand is is uh, is to be upheld at all costs. And I think the Conservative Party now, and the the reason I say this freely now is it's in a rare opportunity, uh, even further beyond past leadership races, where I think the Conservative movement as a whole is now looking deeper within itself. It's like, we clearly have some issues oh, yeah. uh, to have to resort to the reform act to in the first time in Canadian history to remove a party leader through such a mechanism. Mm-hmm. And we all know the reasons that brought us to it is there's a, there's, there's a flaw in our culture. Um, you know, we're doing some soul searching in terms of what do we believe in anymore? Uh, clearly there's different factions within the conservative party as there are within any party without question. And, and now is a, one of those rare opportunities to actually discuss it all. Right. Now I do want to go there, but there's just, there's a question I have. I want to stay in this moment for a second because I'm, it's something I've wondered and you never get a chance to speak to someone who's from the inside it's could you do you know why or can you when you're talking about branding it just seems that the party is angry it's an angry party it seems looking from the outside i i don't know everything that goes in i'm sure there are great friendships and lots of great stuff but i get 24-hour rage machine when I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm listening, it's like, it's like, and, and if you're saying that in as national council members, I guess 
which I assume that you're all working towards the same goal. You might have different ideas on how you get there, but you're all working single to not even be able to show someone else in the room the minimum amount of respect that they should have by virtue of the fact that they're a living being breathing the same air. Mm-hmm. I, I, what is the, to me when everybody says you know when they do the reports and whatnot and I was overcoached or you know or you know, like people love our policies but it was communication that was wrong it's like it's the anger the anger is mm-hmm. the problem it really is uh, I think one there there is a there is a recency bias we we do only notice what is impactfully said on through the media. So you know, those are obviously the examples that, that stick in our minds. Uh, it has helped form the narrative of how the conservative party approaches uh, policy points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the emotion that they play with. Uh, you know, part of it is, is, is how the media narrative has been formed uh, to it's the issues, you know, uh, things aren't, things aren't happy and rosy in this country currently. Mm-hmm. And as the opposition party is the one to point out, okay, well, inflation spinning out of control. Like that's undeniable. Uh, you know, cost of living is going up or whether it's groceries or whatever. And these are legitimate you know, issues. Exactly. Yeah. And, and regardless of your view on the pandemic or, or, uh, or all of that, people are frustrated with, with mandates uh, of locking things down and not being able to resume their normal life. And I think these are universally raw emotions, which only come out through, uh, through frustration and then get, uh, get uh, magnified in the media to become anger. So that just seems to be the role of the opposition parties uh, right now. And the conservatives are obviously taking point on that, but I want to go back to, you know, to, to see where, why in politics we have this yes. and i was you know as things have opened up and with my new uh you know my new pivot in my career uh i've had the chance to go down to the united states for the first time in a while mm-hmm. and it's it, it struck me as i was speaking about politics uh with uh, with an american friend um that in in canada it very much seems to be the the left of center parties that continue to say, Oh, Canada is a great country. You know, we're a country of Trudeau strong and free, all these happy things that are, that are idyllic and hold yeah. up this pedestal of what we imagine Canada to be. And it's, that's the, the dream, US, right? That's the dream. It's the right of center that says, Oh, America's, uh, you know, America's the home of the brave, and all of these great things, you know, imagine the imagery of an eagle uh, <laughs> flying with a fluttering flag in the background, the stars and stripes. Uh, it, 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 it speaks to this reversal of how that uh, dialogue goes. And in the U.S., it's, it's your left and far left that can use the America's broken, America's corrupt, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Well, in Canada, it's the right that says uh, Canada's broken, Canada needs things to be fixed. It's that's a very astute observation because you're like like literally that's a bullseye like (laughs) I mean you've nailed it right um and and I can't argue with it it's it's the truth it really truly Mm -hmm. is 
And and, and you, know, you can argue that, oh, well, it's because right now we have a left, of, maybe a left of center prime minister of Justin Trudeau and in the states uh, they had a Donald Trump. But even with the reversals of uh, of uh, p- parties being in power, it actually seems to be the case. Hmm. 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 So. <laughs> I got to ponder question, that one. <laughs> sorry. Go, what? I, I was just, I got to think about that one for a bit because it, Sir, I'm, it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spin it back a little bit here for a moment or two. Uh, again, uh, I'm left leaning; that's no secret. But I voted, I voted Green, I voted uh, NDP, I voted Liberal, and I voted Progressive Conservative many times in my in my life. And and I long for a Progressive Conservative party uh, of of say Joe Clark or John Robarts, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a progressive conservative party of Senator Hugh Siegel, who I think is no longer a senator, but you know, like somebody who actually uh, gives a darn about the populace and isn't just mm-hmm. concerned with with power and money, but actually wants to govern for the sake of making the country better. And mm-hmm. and I know that there are a lot of progressive conservatives in this country that don't have that voice anymore. And and I'm going to extend it and, and just throw this out there. Is that you? Uh, well, it's it's not me. Uh, for me, you know, I, I served in politics because it was something that I was interested in, mm-hmm. and I did genuinely, I do genuinely care about uh, our country and, and this is a given. The members that make up the conservative movement. Um, I'll, I'll say this, and, and you know, you, you mentioned the con- progressive conservative party of the past with, with Hugh Siegel and Joe Clark. Uh, I think there is one at first an opportunity for the conservatives to show that compassionate, kinder side, and that is, uh, you know, that's best represented by someone like Leslie Lewis. Uh, you know, there may be issues that uh, you know aren't necessarily. Uh, the same priorities as with her and, and the rest of Canada. Okay, but good, I think fair, that fair. softer brand of conservatism of, uh, you know, we, we need to care about our society. We need to have a strong moral compass, um, you know, and, and deliver that message in a soft and compassionate way uh, does come through and exists in the modern conservative party. Uh, again, it, it gets a little uh, uh, it gets a little uh, tampered down compared to the magnified voices of, of the anger that you hear. Right. Uh, you bring up, you know, are there people out there like myself? And and I'll say this: it's uh, it's a little disappointing, and I, I think uh, it just brings out the nature of politics in our country. Mm-hmm. First of all, it, it is clear that. Being in opposition is not fun for anybody. Oh, goodness, no. no. Uh, the nature of, of opposition parties are that they're obviously, they have very little power in our system, and uh, there's a lot of time spent tearing each other apart within the different factions. You saw with the liberals after 2006 uh, with their succession of leaders after Paul Martin. Yep, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think the NDP has done that uh, many, many times as well uh, before Jack Layton's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they, they've, they've uh, learned to get along a bit better now. I think this speaks to 
what kind of people are attracted to politics while in opposition? Uh, you know, you have MPs who this is their career. I think the Conservative Party has, uh, whether it, whether it's an advantage or a disadvantage, has a lot of MPs who have made this a very long time career for themselves and have been MPs since a very young time. You know, Pierre Polyev uh, is an example himself, elected, I think, at age 24. And mm-hmm. I don't know how old he is now, He's but this has become his career. 44. Mm-hmm. And they're very good at it. Uh, and because it is their career, they, they know what they're doing when they perform well. But it gives them a mindset of, well, you know, I, I continue to fight because I win elections, I must win elections to continue to fight and continue to have my job. Mm-hmm. So they've lost lost the plot. Do you think lost the focus? Lost the uh, the original uh, ideology? It's a bit of a self perpetuating cycle. Okay. Mm. While you have, and this is this is I think more unique for for uh, for the opposition parties because uh, with governing parties on their way up and forming government, and you saw this with uh, Stephen Harper's uh, Conservative Party in the lead up to 2006 when they formed government, is, is they were able to attract uh, people from private se- the private sector or with strong credentials outside of politics uh, to form a cabinet. Mm-hmm. Some and, of them are friends of mine, believe me. Uh, so again, the nature of opposition politics, you're attracting people who, who self-perpetuate and, and continuing to want to be politicians for the sake of being politicians as a career. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, being in opposition is tough. So what kind of people are attracted to, uh, to want to engage in, in, such a, in such an exercise? You have people who are maybe motivated for the wrong reasons, just mm-hmm. for the sake of uh, potentially gaining power. And, or two, it's because there's something holding them true to what they believe and say, well, I, I see these beliefs reflected in me and I want to continue to advocate for that. Uh, and that's why I joined a political party. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and that's, that's my case. I think we're just seeing the, and again, for volunteer roles, especially in, in, in opposition parties, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everyone's a masochist basically. Well, your, to, your role was to, unpaid, uh, right? You, you didn't uh, get paid for your position. through all of this for, uh, for no remuneration. Yeah. But when we you all have careers and families. Exactly. You know, your, your position was unpaid. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you you weren't in this for personal gain. You were in this to try and make a difference. And that, mm-hmm. sir, that's a salute. I mean, I respect that. And, and, and again, even if we don't even see uh, ideologically the same politically speaking, you, you were in this for the right reasons. It was not for personal gain. There was no money. Everything you did was... You did the work of democracy. Yeah. Everything you did was of your own free time unpaid time i mean Mm -hmm. that's that's that that's got a lot of weight behind it well thanks no thank you i appreciate again we probably don't see eye to eye on a lot of political ideologies but i will always respect someone who will put themselves out there like that and do it not for personal gain. You're doing it because you believe in it and you want to make a difference. And again, as we always say on the show, Mr. Beaver. Yes. 
democracy is something you do. And they are not all the same. No. <laughs> it's not true that they are all the same. <laughs> um, okay. So let's speak leadership race. Um, sure. Okay. Uh, I am guessing from what you said earlier that you would like it if some candidate, I suspect that she is going to enter, but let's not scooper leslin lewis <laughs> mm-hmm. yes yeah, so okay. i i think uh let's go through the list uh number well, one pierre polyev's in the race yes absolutely mm-hmm. uh he i think it, i think he is the presumptive favorite he's obviously built a name for himself uh during this time and he is he is mr economy yes and apparently he's very well liked and very organized uh, I think well liked is uh, you know it can be interpreted in different ways. I think uh, uh, among those, okay, let's put it this way: those who like him like him a lot. Yes, sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he. I wouldn't say he's well liked in the sense of of oh everyone wants to be his friend or he wants to be everyone's friend and, and that. Okay. Uh, but he he's well regarded. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, I've heard that Jean Charest's phone has been ringing off the hook. I've heard that as well. Um, I, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't heard from him or, or anyone affiliated with his team, but this, this was circulating in the last leadership race in 2020 as well. Okay. Um, so if we're, like and and I've heard all on the radio Tasha Carradine's name being mentioned as well, um, mm-hmm. but I mean other than and I know that uh, the former Quebec Lieutenant Alain, Alain Reyes stepped down and said that he wanted to work at the organization of a yet unnamed candidate who would be more on the progressive side. Um, are there any other names? Do you think I, I don't like? I'm pretty sure there's no way Rona's, Rona Ambrose is going to try again. I think she's very happy in no, her Ron, life. Rona's finished with mm-hmm. politics. Pretty she's, sure Peter McKay's happy in his life as well. I know Rona. She's a friend of mine. She's done with politics. She's finished. She's never coming back. <laughs> Everybody's begging her to come back. Yeah. I talked to her, and she's like, "No, I'm no, no. That's behind me. That that life is behind me. She's in private sector. She's earning a very good living, and she does not want to be in the spotlight anymore. It's done. She's finished with it. It's over. It's, she's never coming back. That's uh, pretty consistent with uh, my interpretation as well. Is there anybody else from in caucus that people? I, I think we could go for it. I think Michelle Rempel Garner. Okay, I can see uh, that. Who'd be certainly on the? She she's probably one of the most progressive uh, members of the Conservative yeah. Caucus. I would yeah. I, I would agree with that. I, I don't see eye to eye with her on many things, but but she is mm-hmm. yeah she's the most progressive. Yeah, uh, she, yeah. Uh, she, she's one of the. One I, of I would them. say one of them. One uh, of them. Yes, Michael Chong, who I personally support. Oh, in 2017. Yeah. probably the most is, progressive. You're right. He's actually that. the most progressive. Actually, you're absolutely right. I apologize. He is very progressive. I like mm-hmm. that guy a lot. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, you know he uh, in, in knowing Michael as well. He um, uh, you know twenty seventeen was uh, was a wake up call in in how he did. Is he definitely uh, brought in a lot of new members into the party? But 
uh, also sees that you know there the center of gravity in the conservative party that slider isn't uh, isn't progressive enough for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but he feels he. I mean, despite his views maybe being offside with the rest of his caucus colleagues, he's still very well regarded, respected. Mm-hmm. And and that makes complete sense because uh, he he's a good human being, right? So mm-hmm. you know, if, if, and a gentleman, and an absolute gentleman. Can I mean, anybody say end of bad word about Michael Chong ever? And if you keep exactly. politics that long, and nobody's ever said a crossword about you, you're doing something right. There's only one other exactly. former member of parliament that I can think of that that was held in that same regard, and that was my uh, former uh, member of parliament. Uh, may he rest in peace, uh, 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 Paul Dewar. Mm-hmm. nobody mm. nobody ever had a bad thing to say about paul mm. you know same thing with michael chong i've not some people are like i don't necessarily agree with him but everybody likes him mm-hmm. i think some quebecers may disagree with him mm-hmm. uh yes because uh, <laughs> the reason why he 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 did uh uh, uh name um uh, make his name for himself but uh you're right in in i think anglophone canada uh, i've never met someone uh, who, who has a negative word to say about Michael Chong. And that's something, there's something to be said about that in, in politics in 2022, right? I mean, to be universally, uh, what's the word? Could I use the word admired? Is that the right word or is it liked? I, I esteemed. Hmm? Pardon? Esteemed? Esteemed? I think respected. Respected yeah. definitely without question. Yeah. There's, there's no, no question. Yeah. Liked is, uh, Again, yeah. I, mean, I think that's more subjective, right? Yeah, well, no, you're, you're right. right. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> not everyone can like everyone, <laughs> unfortunately. But you, but you are right. Game is Universally respected. Um, no question. Yes. Um, anybody else from Inside Caucus? Uh, let's see. Um, I, I think you'll get the, uh, the, there'll be some, I'll, I'll call them uh, sleeper hits. Okay. Yes. Because uh, you know they don't have a big profile outside of the conservative movement, and even within, uh, just because uh, you know they're they're not uh, for the limelight. But I think you'll see John Williamson. Okay. Yes. Uh, he's been around since the Harper days and has uh, lost in 2015, but came back in 19, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had expressed uh, interest MP- in being the interim leader as well, I believe. Yes, he did. Yeah, you guys have been following closely, obviously. And he's, uh, he, I think he represents a, uh, well, one, certainly Atlantic Canada, but two, he, uh, he's, uh, also, uh, I think, a strong fiscal conservative. Okay. Um, but again, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. I don't think I could pick him out of a lineup. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he has a. But I think he has a. I think he also has a, a positive reputation. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear the name and it's like, okay, well, here's someone that uh, I've, I've heard good things about. Unfortunately, he just doesn't have much of a profile in, in the Canadian public, where I, I'm not able to pick him out of a lineup. Mm-hmm. So, so. So I'm going to be really speculative here for a second. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that the current interim leader was put in that position so that there's, I mean, cause once you're interim leader, you can't become leader. Like that's it's mm-hmm. right. Is it possible that was done because she's a little bit too radical for a lot of individuals? I'm throwing it out there. I'm spitballing this completely an imagination on my part, like a complete thought mm-hmm. process. But would it be ridiculous to think that? 
I don't think so. Um, and here's the reason why she was, uh, why Candace uh, Bergen is and and was elected. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's one of the more longer serving members of the caucus at this point. Yep. Uh, I think uh, class of 0406. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, she doesn't have the actual aspirations herself. Uh, that's that's become quite apparent um, in the lead up to all of this as well, where where uh, she played a senior role with with uh, the former leader Andrew Shear as well, and was one of is kind of one of the last uh, uh, Harper era ministers standing, other than Pierre mm-hmm. Polyev. Yeah, right. true. Uh, she's very aware of her of her limitations in French. Oh, well, that's that's refreshing. Because I, mm-hmm. I didn't think she was, but no, that's refreshing. And and I think knows that without that, uh, w- wouldn't uh, wouldn't be able to seek the uh, the permanent leadership. Mm-hmm. I also uh, have truckloads of dirt on her. as prime minister. So so she's she's very much competent in that regard. Uh, and amongst the other choices in caucus, again, and she uh, of those who who potentially further had the ring. Uh, she had the most experience and, and giving interim leader to someone like that. It, there's also the kind of uh, expectation afterwards that, well, well, you're probably, uh, you know, you're, you're probably not going to stay as MP forever either. Mm-hmm. So that all played in. She's well-respected by caucus uh, on the side of uh, those who supported Aaron O'Toole or, and uh, those who were his detractors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's obvious and she's from Manitoba, uh, again, just geographically central, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you had a lot of uh, strong support for, for Aaron O'Toole in Manitoba from MPs like James Bazan. Mm-hmm. And you had some of his strongest detractors like uh, Ted Falk also in Manitoba and mm-hmm. she was able to get along with all of them. Now, if we, if we dial it back a little bit, um, do, do you think the party shot themselves in the foot by placing Rona Ambrose into the position of interim leader because like, she couldn't become leader after that? And I, I, I only ask that because uh, a great number of, of uh, friends and colleagues of mine who are, are somewhere on the fence about some are, sometimes they're conservative, sometimes they're liberal, and then I have staunch conservative friends who are all like, they made a mistake and here's why because she could have been the next leader and she could have become prime minister and i'm like you know what i i i think she had a really good shot at that if if she had been you know been able to run for the position but once you're interim leader that's it you can't run for that position and and i say this because again she is a friend of mine i do know her uh and i know she's a very level-handed level-headed individual and mm-hmm. and she had a, she had respect from a lot of people in liberal and and mm-hmm. NDP circles, right? So do, do you think the party shot themselves in the foot by not by putting her in a, in a position where she could not become the leader? I don't think so. And okay. the the reason I say this is one of it is it's a little bit paradoxical. Mm-hmm. You know, before Rana became the interim leader of conservatives after uh, Stephen Harper lost in 2015. Uh, she was known as uh, just a competent minister. Mm-hmm. You know, Harper, Harper moved her around to different, mm-hmm. a lot of different portfolios. 
and she she did a good job with each of them but she was she never had a large profile um and it you know from what i remember a lot of the uh a lot of the a lot of the candidates who ran in 2017 and afterwards spent a lot of their time as minister getting out there doing the fundraising circuit on behalf of the party when we were when the conservatives were in government and and building a team that way I, I don't recall uh, Rana having done that nearly as much, which just showed that she, she, she clearly wasn't thinking about su- succeeding Stephen Harper right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And the other part of this paradox is, is she's so well-regarded because of the job she did as interim leader. Yes. If she, if she was not in that position and she chose to go the path of, no, I'm, I'm not going to be interim leader. I'm going to seek the permanent leadership in the 2017 leadership race, which took two years. Uh, we don't know how that would have played out. Right. We don't know how she would have, how she would have done, uh, knowing her views, uh, you know, she would have uh, definitely been more on the progressive side. And if you look at it, I mean, Michael Chong, uh, came, came forth from that race and I was happy to support them, mm-hmm. but uh, the the guys who placed even higher were, uh, you know, it, it was Andrew Shear and um, and Maxine Bernier at the end, and I, I, I don't see how how uh, she would have had her her moment to shine uh, knowing those uh, those dynamics at play then. Oh, you know what? Thank you for your input because it's not it's not a. Uh, it's not something I've had expressed to me before in the past. I've I've had you know different pundits, if you will, say different things. Mm-hmm. But but you're giving me an, a, a viewpoint and an opinion that I've never had the opportunity to hear before. So thank you for that. I really do appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Um, external to caucus, is there someone? Like I said, they were talking about Josh Ray or Tasha Carradine. Mm-hmm. There's also a guy. Never was never able to quite grasp his name. A, a businessman from Quebec as well. His name has been floating around. But is there? I don't know. Is the or a blast from the past? A, a James Moore or something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's let's go from uh, the gentleman in Quebec. I think his name is Vincenzo Guzzo. That you're thinking yes. of. That's it. Yeah, so uh, Mr. Gozo, uh, I think, uh, runs a chain of uh, theaters in Quebec. Uh, oh yeah, and- it's Guzzo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh-huh. he, uh, he 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 did uh, contemplate throwing his hat in the ring last time in the 2020 race, and uh, I know a lot of grassroots activists who who are supportive of him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think uh, one uh, I don't know much about him other than other than what's been conveyed here, mm-hmm. and I. I would like the opportunity to to see someone like him put himself forward just so we can all look at more choices. Mm-hmm. I think the more choices, the better. Uh, and let's go to Ontario now. Um, so working our way uh, westwards, uh, we, we've heard the media talk about uh, Patrick Brown, who's a former uh, conservative MP. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, did a stint as Ontario PC leader, uh, and uh, is now mayor of Brampton. Okay. I think I think uh, Mr. Brown is is a unique uh, is a unique offering in that uh, the Conservatives' path to victory runs through the nine hundred five, mm. and yes. he's clearly a popular 
uh, leader in in the 905 and would bring a uh, you know would bring a competitive advantage in that regard. And I believe I had read that he has very 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 good relationships with the Indo Canadian community. Yeah, he does. Uh, exactly. That's his popularity in, in Brampton. I, I and, and, and truth be told, I I like him. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think uh, I think he's a uh, a good politician, and I think he's actually uh, a fairly decent human being. I don't know the man personally, but uh, I've not heard any bad things about him in lurid detail. Um, Look, I've got dirt on a lot of politicians on the hill, off the hill, retired. Uh, don't ask how I get it. I'm not going to share it, and I'm not going to spill it. But I have a lot of dirt. <laughs> um, we'll leave it at that, okay? We'll leave it at that. But uh, um, I, I, I don't have anything on him. I've not heard bad things about the man. I mean, there was that, that, that uh, uh, thing that happened a few years ago, which turned out to be completely fabricated. So, Exactly. Right? Exactly. Hmm. You know, he sexually assaulted me in the second floor in the bedroom. The house only has one floor. No, exactly. <laughs> it never happened. Uh, so, yes, uh, Patrick Brown, I, I think, would be a very uh, good offering as well. Uh, we then have, uh, and this is a current member of caucus, but I think uh, Marilyn Gladue, mm-hmm. who who ran in 2020 as well, mm-hmm. I think uh, will will learn to uh, focus on fundraising to to meet the uh, the hurdles uh, that may be set. And I think that uh, you know there's going to be a lot of options in Ontario. I depending on the timeline of this race, I. I hear the rumors of of Doug Ford, <laughs> but yeah. I also do believe that Doug Ford just wants to get past the Ontario uh, provincial election in, in June. Mm-hmm. So if this were a longer race, uh, maybe dragging out into next year, uh, which I, I don't think will happen, uh, you could see you could see Doug Ford if he uh, you know wins a resounding victory in Ontario again. I, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen with his inactivity in the last uh, two weeks with what's been going on here in Ottawa. Uh, uh, between now and June is still a very long time. True. And there's, True. A, and there's a lot of things that he can do, but uh, uh, completely understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I think, rounds up the... Oh, Actually, there are a couple other uh, names I've heard outside of caucus um, from the uh, Mulroney dynasty. Uh, Mark Mulroney. Hmm. Okay. Uh, again, I don't know much about him other than he does work on Bay Street and, uh, you know, obviously uh, is competent and, uh, uh, you know, brings uh, that Mulrooney branding of uh, conservatism to the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he would be a little bit more um, center right than far right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh uh, yeah, I, I certainly think so. Um, you know, in the vein of his, uh, in the vein of his sister as well, mm-hmm. uh, Carola Mulrooney, uh, definitely much more in the, uh, in the old school progressive conservative yes. camp. Yes, uh, but and and you know, uh, how many times have people come to Ben Mulrooney and said, "You should run." You should, he's like, "Nope." He he wants nothing to do with politics. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, talking about that, uh, given. I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear there are some splits. I mean, you don't have a leader go out 73, 45. I mean, that's 45 is still a big chunk. 
So mm-hmm. I mean, there there are some splits, um, you know. And like you said, Pierre, Pierre Poliver um, is is out front and you know playing, putting out what seems like a power play. You know, already declaring mm-hmm. himself running for prime minister as if he's already won and announcing he's got like the open support of ten. But you but know, you, but you don't and run for prime even minister. announce the criteria. Right, which you know, it's like whatever the bar is going to be, I'm going to meet it. So, uh, do you uh, favor considering that there's a split, uh, a shorter campaign, uh, which would sort of, I guess, somehow maybe preserve party unity because there doesn't have time for a lot of fighting, or one that's one that's a little longer? And do you prefer? that the bar be set somewhat low to have a greater variety of candidates or higher to make it just a smaller, more controllable bunch? So I think, first of all, the timing one is easier to answer. Uh, there is there's a provincial election in Ontario in June. There's a uh, Quebec provincial election, uh, I believe, sometime mm-hmm. in October. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, that seems to be the, the big uh, legislative calendar this year. Uh, I think some, sometime in the early fall or late summer, however you want to characterize it, I think sometime in, uh, in September would be the sweet spot. Okay. Uh, it allows for the barbecue circuit where, uh, you know, that's just positive for members. I'm sure people will love to Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to get out there and have barbecues again to, to meet, um, potential candidates Mm -hmm. from coast to coast to coast. And Who doesn't love free food. Uh, <laughs> you know, it allows some time for some from some membership signups, and also just the ability to say, okay, well, you know, we are still in a minority government. Uh, you know, the government could fall at any time to to give that leader a chance to to rally behind. There's a, another. This is a very politically nerdy thing to discuss, but uh, there is the matter of actual political (laughs) operations that all the parties have to deal with in the next year, and that is Mm -hmm. redistribution. Yes, yes. And I cannot imagine, uh, uh, I cannot imagine any party wanting to, to, to uh, distract themselves with something else like a leadership race when Mm. redistribution is happening. That's true. Yeah. Because we had the census, right? Exactly. So yeah, redistribution's coming. Uh, exactly. About that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's uh, th- that points to all signs of this race uh, ending sometime in in this fall of 2022. Okay. In terms of how the race should go, look, I, I think uh, the more voices, the better. It makes for a more exciting race. Mm-hmm. It makes for, uh, and, and again, this rare, rare, rare opportunity to actually have a discourse about what the Conservative Party believes in mm. and, uh, and and what the future of this country looks like. The more voices, the better. However, having 20 people up on stage in a all-candidates discussion <laughs> forum is not, uh, is not palatable to anybody. No, it's 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 not palatable and it's not sensible, and I think more than anything else, it's just mm-hmm. ridiculous. It's, and it's ridiculous. from what I've heard uh, from from national councillors who will be comprising, uh, well, n- not that the names are set, but uh, uh, it is hard coded into the leadership election organizing committee that there will be national councillors on to maybe have some sort of rounds of uh, of qualification. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. 
whether it's fundraising targets or signatures, uh, something, some, some metric that tells you, okay, you're in the race, but you know, between now and actual election day, you need to keep yourself uh, in that race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that I think would just be healthy. Uh, you know, and it would certainly uh, strike the balance of having more participation, but also less confusion for voters. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, the other question I had, and th- this one may be trickier. I don't know. You go as far as you want with it. Um, also, given the split, uh, speaking from my perspective again, as I, I stretch from center right to center left, I'm pretty much a radical centrist. Um, I'm watching uh, the Maverick Party go because Mr. Marilich was associated with this. So I'm seeing a conservative-minded separatist party that wants to break up my country, and I'm not very happy about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Our, I see country. That, <laughs> Our I see country. Our country. Sorry, PPC. but... <laughs> I see the PPC, which has a very Q quality to it, and that scares me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I am seeing the former Progressive Conservative Party of Canada, now the Conservative Party of Canada, with interim leader Candace Bergen, who someone leaked a message saying that she said that the convoy should stay, so we should make it the Prime Minister's problem rather than locking arms again against an occupation and Pierre Poiliev who very much plays the populist and is not necessarily no I he's loose with the truth let's say I just see the party taking another party that took a step to the right from the center, right, taking another step to the right. Um, And if the liberals can arguably be considered the naturally natural governing party, the (laughs) conservatives is the natural government and waiting party. And I'm not, Sure, I know that the first two parties that we spoke of, I cannot leave unsupervised alone in a room with a pack of matches. The Progressive Conservative Party of Canada with Mulroney and Clark and Charest and whatnot, I could. Yeah, no problem. No question. With with Stephen Harper, I really didn't like what was happening, but I still knew that the sun would rise tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and there were enough people in the party to sort of, whoa, dude, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, there were certain things that are happening now that would not happen if Stephen Harper were still the leader. Yes. <laughs> and, agreed. Yes. And, and, which I never thought I would hear myself saying. <laughs> that, <laughs> not that I want him to come back, but I'm just, you know, when Rhonda said the bad man's gone, I, I believed her. Uh, but I, uh, This worries me. I do not want to see a future where it becomes normalized that one of the three conservative options that Canadians have to choose from are all so far right that we can't leave them unsupervised with a pack of matches. And given it's 73 to 45, 
is there a progressive conservative? Like, is there a possibility for a progressive conservative candidate to come? Is there a battle for the soul of the party? Or do you even foresee if someone like Pierre Poliev or someone maybe more ideologically to the right wins that there's a split in the party again, 1993 ish where somebody, I just see that there's an up with Alain Reyes saying that he is stepping mm-hmm. aside to make room for a candidate who's progressive, who's probably not Poliev because he didn't say he was going to campaign organize for him. It just seems that someone setting the stage for a big name to come in on that side and a name that could possibly bring 45 MPs and the few of the 73 that were probably for a narrow tool, but voted against him because of the way he handled it in the last few days and talked to them, because I'm sorry, you're either with me or you're with the conversion therapists, even though I'm not with the conversion therapists is still a big stretch to go. Um, I it, it and with Aaron O'Toole's departure speech at the end, which seemed like he was running mm-hmm. a leadership race again yeah, for the new sure. progressive conservative party of Canada, I'm just I'm watching these things, and there's like there's part of me that's that, that that sees a situation. It's like yeah, if they vote the wrong, we're going to stay with the party for now, and we're going to say we're going to throw our support behind the next leader. But if the next leader is someone that was, you know, and a step to the right, you know, mm-hmm. we're out of here. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting that feeling. And I, don't I know think feeling that too. Um, I think the polarization in politics is, is what you're talking about. And that's just bad overall. Uh, it's not healthy for society. Agreed. It's, it's not, not it's, it's less, even less healthy in politics. Uh, I, I have faith that one, what was demonstrated by the reform act is that, uh, MPs, uh, can hold their leader to account at any point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, since this will carry through, uh, in, uh, you know, in this whole parliament. So a new leader, presuming they're elected, uh, for the next election, um, will face that, uh, accountability measure too. So it really it, it it goes to caucus to to be the conscience of the conservative party mm-hmm. uh, if the leader is not acting in a conscionable way. So uh, I I don't fear things uh, going down the path where the conservative party can no longer be trusted to to act in the best interests of of the country. Uh, in terms of are there going to be more extreme candidates than Pierre Polyev or others? Uh, I'm sure that I'm sure there are those who would consider it. And again, that's a subjective uh, term too. I, I think by going to any extreme, whether it's a very, very progressive conservative or, uh, you know, a Canadian Donald Trump mm. will result in more fractures in the party. And uh, you, you could certainly see uh, caucus members who are unhappy maybe venting their frustrations by saying, nope, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to step aside. I'm going to form my own party or, or across the floor. Uh, I think those, those are all distinct possibilities. If uh, the leadership race goes too much to one extreme or the other, I, I think, and now this, this part, I don't blame Mr. O'Toole for doing, uh, the fallacy was in the way he, in which he did it, which is mm-hmm. not by tr- being true to himself. And, and as a result, lying to, uh, lying to the members mm-hmm. and his caucus, if somebody wins in this leadership race as 
I am going to be a, you know, a, a voice of reason, a moderate and wins and they hold true to themselves and demonstrate continued leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the best, that's the best answer. I also see, I'm confident with that because I, I'm even starting to see, for example, you know, Pierre Polyev's, uh, Pierre Polyev is known for being very, very belligerent regarding the economy. But if you look at his, his launch video and his messaging so far, it's taking a less extreme tone. Except for the whole, I'm running for prime minister. Because that's uh, not really a I, I thing. Think, <laughs> I think uh, I think being presumptuous and, and uh, you know you, you know in that way playing one up is very different than being an extremist. It's well, also it, a bit on ground, though. But 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 I mean, it, it's yes, yes. But but um, nobody runs for prime minister in this country. We don't elect a prime minister. We elect a uh, parliament. I, I I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I don't think it was the best thing to do. But uh, I I also. I also don't think that speaks to him being ex- an extremist. Or, no, but I think dishonest. Uh, rather disingenuous. I think it's it's just uh, it's a form of branding, and uh, frankly, the rest of that branding in that launch video was very very soft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I, I can see that compared to what we normally see when he's doing his Rick Mercer sort of streeter thing. Yes. And, yeah. You know, yeah. This is this definitely much more soft. Yes. Much more soft. Mm-hmm. Again, I still, exactly. I, I still, I, I'm still fundamentally upset at him saying I'm running for prime minister, though. That, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Bert, uh, thank you so much. Uh, you've been very generous with your time. Yes, sir. Uh, and for thank you for the insights. And uh, it's it's just nice to talk politics with someone you know who has an insight that we don't have insight like yeah like how it's really working behind the scenes so you you know you're not just getting the regular lines but you know this the that po- politics is first about people right and how they interrelate and how they interact and, and all that kind of stuff and it's you know it's it's just nice to see the more human side what what goes on and uh so uh we we appreciate that and we we love your thoughts we do we absolutely do and and please feel free to come back whenever you want because uh I don't think we're that far apart on, on most issues. Please, if you know, if you think I'm wrong, say so. But I, I think we're probably more close. We're the happy close. medium of, of uh, Canadian politics. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if only the parties would uh, would act more more uh, commensurate with us, right? Yes. 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 Please. Yes. That's all we want. Um, listen, uh, if you have. Any any views on anything along the leadership race, whatnot? Just send us a message. Uh, we'd love to chat with you. And if in the course of your work you come across some uh, great ideas or great developments mm-hmm. in terms of uh, clean technology, we want to hear about that too. Of course, thank you. You have a home here. You do. We're among friends. Thank you so much. Thanks thank, for having me. Thanks for coming in, brother. We really do appreciate your time. You've been very generous with us, and thank you. Just like thank you. And, and we're very happy that you've landed well because I'm sorry, but it's like just, mm. I mean, th- that thing with, with uh, when we found out, I think it was about like two days after we had, we had interviewed that we found mm. out and we were just yeah. like, oh my God, he's trying to end him. Yeah, we were, we, were, just, we were upset. We were, we were just, yeah. So, you know what? You're the one, he's gone and you stay. So, there.
That's all I Thanks. can say. You did it well. You, I, I admire your class and your poise. So, Kits, that was uh, Bert Chen, unfortunately former uh, Conservative Party of Canada National Council member, because I think that they could actually use more people like Bert. On My goodness, council. yes. Well, kids, that's the end of this special episode of the Eager Beaver podcast. We hope you loved listening to us because we loved making this for you. If you really like this podcast, you can find us on Google, Apple, Player FM, Stitcher, Deezer, and Spotify, but don't listen to us on Spotify. Mm. And tell your friends. Of course, retweets, shares, gentle corrections, constructive criticism, compliments, requests, and positive reviews are always welcome. And finally, if you really, really, really like this podcast and wish to encourage us to do more, we work for tips. Please feel free to buy a cup of coffee for Mr. Grizzly here or perhaps Mm. a scotch this week. Or whiskey. We, we've had some stressful times here in the nation's capital, so uh, <laughs> a, a, a log of woolen would be nice. <laughs> and I'll stick to my mug of hot chocolate <laughs> via our coffee page at ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver, all in one word, lowercase letters. That's ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver. From the Beaver Lodge, this is your eager beaver saying, until next time, dear kids, it can be a tough world out there, so be kind to and gentle with yourself. Some words of wisdom, Mr. Grizzly? Well, yeah, I do have a couple of things to say, and I'll try and be as brief as possible. We have been going through some really tough times in the nation's capital, but not just Ottawa. It's happening in Alberta. It's happening in Windsor. It's, uh, I think they tried to do something in Nova Scotia. Radicals are trying to do terrible things. I'm not going to get into that. Here's what I have to say. Take care of the members of your community. Check in on them. Reach out to them. Remember, the neighborhood you're living in is the one that will support you. Mm. So please support your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You don't, it, it, look, it doesn't, it, it's, sometimes it's money. But in times like this, it's not money. It's, it's not money, and money won't make a difference. What you need to do is reach out to your friends and neighbors in your neighborhood and say, hey, are you okay? Do you need some support? <laughs> do you need a hug? Do you need somebody to talk to? Do you want to vent to me? Do you need an escort to the grocery store so that some rambunctious individual doesn't attack you. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we're living in in Ottawa right now. So reach out to your friends and neighbors and ask them if they need anything. And if they do, give it. Give it freely. Give it honestly. <laughs> and do it because you know it's the right thing to do. I have nothing more to add. The True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver, Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Research, story, and guest curation, and copy written by the Eager Beaver. Recording, production, editing, and additional research by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Artwork courtesy of Pete Jarvis. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvin Moon Publishing, and canadiantarot.com. And a special thank you to our guest this week, Bert Chen, uh, for, again, just being generous with his time. Uh, overall, great guy and a source of great insight. 
Indeed. We'll see you soon, kids. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.